You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back and kind of tired. <sighs> yeah, I am drinking my uh, my new tea that I got from uh, you know from the airport from Duty Free just to keep me awake. But. Uh, Great trip, great trip and all. It was really glad we went. We had some, uh, we had some real adventures, some, uh, some chaos the day of the game, but uh, it all worked out and uh, really glad we did. It was great, uh, great spending time with the Grump uh, over in London. It was a lot of fun. Um, got to meet tons of Giants fans. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, spent uh, the night at the Wapping Tavern, I think it was, right? Yeah. Um. The night before, that was Saturday night, uh, LPG was there, Big Blue UK and Ireland, uh, I think hosted the whole thing. Uh, it was a, a jam-packed two-story pub, um, <laughs> just a sea of blue. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. They had like a whole like chant, uh, I think we, we did like a Let's Go Giants chant at one point at the end of the night there. Yeah, like license plate guy was there, there was a whole, I don't know, 100 giant fans and they were expecting we don't know maybe my 10 or 15 show up and like over 100 showed up it was um it was really cool um it was it was a crazy day for me because i had spent a whole day in a bar watching uh watching my rays get knocked out of the playoffs in epic fashion you know watching the, the florida game and it's running over there and it was just like oh good giant fans as far as you could it, it could have been like a bar somewhere in north jersey is what it felt like yeah, pretty much with different accents. Um, <laughs> it was a uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and then uh, the next day we went to the stadium. We had our a little bit of a debacle with like the trains. Um, <laughs> yeah. our, our route our route got all. It wasn't just us. I mean, it was everybody. The service kind of was shut down. We had to kind of do our own thing, and it was just this this quiet little walk through Tottenham. Just this group of. Giants fans that you just saw get bigger and bigger and bigger as we got closer to the stadium until we, we, yeah, the we entire like, road is blocked off and it was just wall to it was awesome. It was we looked so, like so the, cool. We looked like the Hebrews wandering the desert uh, in Egypt. I mean, it was just uh, this long line of uh, football fans, not just Giant fans. It was football fans. In fact, we we were joking around before, like we'll probably see the jersey of every team this weekend. And sure enough, we actually took made a list. And we were checking off, you know, every team. And sure enough, we saw all 32 teams being represented there. And this is before, way before the game even started. So that was really cool of, you know, NFL fans in general, whether they are, they came over for the weekend, were based in the UK or all over Europe. So that was, that was pretty cool to see. Definitely made it like a, a bowl game, Super Bowl kind of vibe throughout the city. Yeah, we actually found that like before we even made it to the bar before the game. I mean, like yeah. we were we yeah. were still on the street. We hadn't really decided which direction we were going to walk in yet, and uh, we had already found all thirty-two teams represented in mm -hmm. some fashion. It, it it's just really cool. Um, I, I mean, 
if, if at any point anybody has the uh, the means and time to go, uh, it's definitely a fun thing to check out whether your team is playing or not. Got to be. But the one thing I would do before you leave the States, make sure you have tickets because we suffered a horrible fate. Um, you know, we ended up watching a game we had planned to go to for seven, eight months, not at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but across the street in a bar. We were hosed by our ticket broker, ticket agency. You know, it's kind of like, sort of like StubHub where, you know, you buy a ticket and the seller has to, you know, transfer the ticket over to because they're a third party. Well, the seller never transferred the ticket and the ticket agency did not feel that it is their right obligation to honor us with a ticket. So we were shit out of luck. <laughs> but at least they, at the end of the day, you know, canceled our order and gave us compensation for our aggravation. I mean, it's never going to take away from the fact that we watched an amazing giant game, one that we're going to probably remember for, you know, the rest of our giant fandom lives um, at a bar, not at the stadium, but, uh, it led for some real aggravation. And, you know, as you guys may know, I go everywhere to games every week and I'm somewhere. That's never happened to me before, Grump. I've never been the victim of getting hosed like that. So that sucked. But being at the bar and watching it, there's probably 150, you know, giant and Packer fans, you know, watching on a big screen TV. The energy and the excitement was, you know, just as present there it would have been in the stadium. So all's well ends well when you win. Those little details don't seem to matter anymore. So I'm happy we were able to come home with a big W in our pockets. The New York football giants are four and one. Yeah. And let's, and let's get to that game. Cause we got a lot of stuff that I want to go over. Cause this was a yeah. huge, huge, huge game. Mm-hmm. Um, man, 27 to 22. Let's start right off the bat with the score. The giants scored 27 points. Um, and that that's going to sound like a kind of a joke, but like, no, seriously, the, the most they had scored thus far was only 21 points. Um, it's been a, a big theme as to like why this team isn't good is they just simply aren't scoring points. Um, the offense was stagnant the last two years under Pat Shermer. It was just decent, but you know, you had this weird changeover of Eli Manning into Daniel Jones and whole bunch of other problems with James Betcher's defense and you know just in general the things weren't there he was only there for a couple of years didn't really get it all together especially switching over quarterbacks is going to do that um you know following that we went into the you know the last two years with Jason Garrett where we just decided that we were going to play for first downs more so than anything else and now here we are slowly building up as guys are getting more and more hurt. We're scoring more and more points and things are getting a little bit better. I mean, here's the thing. We don't have any weapons right now where we can have a quick strike. I mean, we had the, you know, the long touchdown in the, um, in the Tennessee game, but that's, that was a fluke. It turns out like we don't have that quick score capability. So we're gonna have to grind out, you know, drives to score points. And, Really, with a very, very limited passing game, it makes it even harder. So it's very impressive. With this is legitimately good run offense that this team has um, to be able to, you know, put up the amount of points we did against a decent team. It's impressive, and it's kind of mind-boggling how this team does it. But 
it, we are definitely the sum greater than the parts right now on offense and defense. Because you look at the patchwork that we're putting together, you know, both on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball, it's I, I can't explain it, but they are just getting the job done. And that's that's the bottom line in this league. It's W's and L's, and we're getting into W's right now. Absolutely. And, and you know, this hilarious joke of being the worst 4 and one team, the worst 3 and one team, the worst 2 and one team, is just getting funnier and funnier. At the end of the day, we're going to have to start acknowledging that this team – I don't know, might actually be a little bit better than we thought. I, I don't think we're going super far into the playoffs. You know, we're not getting too far ahead of our skis, but it, it certainly looks like, um, I don't know. Like, like I, I want to launch into a bigger thing here, uh, and I don't, I don't want to go off track, but like it, this coaching staff is really, really doing something with the group of players that they have. And, and beyond this year, that may not be anything. The fact that they're winning now and against good teams gives me hope going into next season, the season after that, for sustained longevity of this. Scoring points is better. What I'm seeing now as a mediocre team scoring points I like more than what I was seeing in 2016 as a team that was really beating the shit out of other teams but really wasn't scoring points and were relying entirely on Odell Beckham to score some miracle play. Anyway, yeah, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, nobody's buying into us right now. I mean, this this reminds me of 2000 when it was like, well, the Giants are the worst one seed ever, but, you know, they kept being the worst one seed till they made it to the Super Bowl. So how bad of a Wednesday can really be? I mean, we are a significant underdog at home next week against Baltimore. So that tells you that the public is not buying this team. And that, that's okay. That doesn't really mean much of anything. It's just, I, I, I think to your point, this is, I think it's largely a product of this coaching staff, that this coaching staff can maximize what they have, what talent they currently have available to them. And whether it's, that's, you know, Getting the most out of, you know, an offensive and defensive line, whether it means maximizing whatever skill positions are left on either side of the ball, they are putting the best players they have available into the best position to succeed. And we've seen that coaching staff after coaching staff after coaching staff that is trying to, you know, fit round pegs into square holes and it doesn't work. Um, this de- offense may look significantly different in two, three years once his team has wide receivers, has a better offensive line to pass block. Um, but right now, this is the cards that they were dealt, and they are crafting a game plan and play calling based around the strengths of what we have. It's This is not an offense. It's going to be Daniel Jones throwing 40 times for 350 yards. This is an offense that they're going to utilize Daniel Jones's Increasing by the year and now by the week, his decision-making and his ability to use his legs. Um, Whatever it takes to get a first down, whatever it takes to score is what we're doing. And that gives me, you know, this year is great. This is all bonus for me, but this tells me that this coaching staff, once we have a legitimate roster to really compete, will really make things happen. And that's what makes me really, really excited. Well, I'm going to launch into a whole thing here because because I I'm I'm giving the coaching staff a star the entire coaching staff, yeah. um, 
Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are a, a beautifully creative duo. I mean, we're seeing <laughs> weekly updates to the playbook, it seems like. We're seeing mm -hmm. tons of creativity. More and more plays are utilizing all of what we have at running back. Well, don't have any wide receivers? Use tight ends one week. We've got those. Use running backs the next week. Got those. Um, you Use know, an end around. Yeah. yeah. The, the double reverse that was uh, Daniel Bellinger's uh, touchdown actually looked to me like it was supposed to be either a pass to DJ or it was a perfectly executed decoy with uh, him to throw to DJ. So just things like that we're seeing week after week. Um, they're clearly able to translate their film study to the field on Sundays. That is that much is evident because we are seeing completely different game plans from week to week, and we're obviously seeing points on the board. We're seeing yardage being used. That we're seeing wins, um, and it feels like they're adding things as they work and then expounding on them. Like I don't think they intended to do so much wildcat this year, but because of Jones's injury and because it was so effective at, in the in the Bears game, they just confidently ran with it the next week. Yeah, um, I mean. We've, you know, we're now in week five, and this team is developing its identity for this 2022 version of the New York Football Giants, and that is we are a running team. We are going to get our yardage on the ground. How we do that is now a variety of ways that you have to game plan for, and that makes it, you know, scary for other opponents. This isn't a a one or two week flash in the pan thing. I mean, this team is running the ball. And getting yardage on the ground consistently. Um, back I to mean, the coach. Wait, 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 wait. Hang what? on. A, I'm not done. But B, they're also throwing the ball perfectly fine in this game. Downfield for like 10, 15-yard chunks in this game. So I, I don't want to take away from that. They're, they are not being pigeonholed into being a running team just because they are oh. running the ball. This is what I'm saying about the week-to-week -week thing is that what we're seeing, what the downfield plan was this week, we haven't seen in weeks past. So they seem to be capable of doing lots of things, and and they're doing it with you know kind of, I mean what what is this the worst wide receiver group in the league? In the, yeah, but, but to my point though is that that opening up of the passing game does not happen on this team unless we can establish the run first and have that committed ground game first. Would you agree with that? If we were a middling running team and they, that. Forget even how great Saquon Barkley's been alone. If we just can't move the ball on the ground with anybody, I think it makes it that much difficult to get anything well, through the passing game. Yes, of course, but yeah. I, I don't think that I, I don't think that squares them away as being a running team. This is a running team. This is definitely a running team. They are, but they are also throwing the ball well. They are. They are not. They are not. Never mind. It doesn't yeah. matter. Go on. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. They were good yeah. running. They were. That was their best they've shown this year for. For throwing the ball, but they that's, can. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they are not unable to do that. They they are not going to rely on it, but they are they are able to throw the ball downfield. We're seeing that now. They don't even have wide receivers running downfield the last couple weeks. Yeah. Now we're we're getting crossing patterns deep down the field, and it works. Yeah. So it's great. Um, on the other side of the on the ball, Wink Martindale is a magician. I mean, if this defense starts getting turnovers, they're going to be a top 15 defense. They shut out Aaron Rodgers in the second half. You know, defensive backs on DoorDash, we were worried about cornerback two in this defense at the very beginning of the season. And here we are watching him pitch a shutout in the second half against Aaron Rodgers without even a Dory Jackson, without Aaron Robinson. 
and without Fabian Moreau. We were I literally had to look up roster numbers because I don't think I ever knew Justin Lane's number. And here he was yeah. out there knocking balls loose out of guys' hands, making plays on on preventing first downs. Um Nick McLeod had getting pass breakups, although I, I did kind of like Nick McLeod when we grabbed him, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he stopped two straight heavy running teams from running the ball without Leonard Williams. He has survived six weeks without both of his best pass rushers on the field, except for the Bears game, which was less than one game. As Ojolari left that game in, in the be- before it ended. Um, and he's had nothing special at linebacker this whole time. Wink Coaching matters. Is doing stuff that 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 we haven't seen on defense in a long, long time, and we we liked Patrick Graham before here. Yeah, this is Coaching, this is nuts. Coaching matters. I mean, he is definitely getting you know, he is squeezing water out of the rock. I like to say that all the time. How hey, you can't do that? Well, he is somehow has turned water into wine, and he has done it. And you know, you're right. Once guys get healthy, once we you know next two, three years, keep drafting, you know, this defense will get better and better and better. You know, we got to be careful. We can't think too far into the future of this because of this, we keep seeing these, these magic shows being performed that, you know, NFL teams going to come calling looking for new head coaches, but you know, for what he's, what they are doing right now and establishing the culture of this team is beyond our wildest expectations. I mean, none of us, you, me, None of us had us four and one and winning the way we're winning. I mean, that wasn't, we got lucky to beat Green Bay. We dominated that fourth quarter. We, Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to say he looked rattled, but he was, he was definitely feeling a pass rush. He was definitely, he was certainly inaccurate throwing, getting that, keeping them off the field. It was, it was fantastic. And just, this is a very wonky league where, you know, it's, it's like, well, anybody can beat anybody, but we took it to Green Bay. We we beat them, and that was— I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that Aaron Rodgers specific—I think their entire offense, they, they changed. I mean, they gave up on their running game. Yeah. Once they saw—I well, mean, once the second half came around, you know, we weren't really letting their running game do too much, but it wasn't—they weren't getting shut down in the run game. But once the offense started scoring points and you saw the score getting closer and closer, they panicked. They, yeah. they abandoned trying to run that shit. You you could see it was getting confusing. They were just like, first down, we're, we're just going to chuck one downfield. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing open, and he's just launching shit downfield. And then they look they, confused. They completely, completely changed their game plan second. Right. And, and, and then the, the passing game looked confused. You saw it was like, you know, miscommunications between receiver and quarterback. You, you saw, you know, a, a continued pass rush and things being rushed. It was It was beautiful. Um, the last, last note on the coaching staff, which I'm giving a star to, by the way, my first star, um, I don't agree with everything they do. Um, obviously I, I've, I've complained for a long time about how they're handling Darius Slayton on this roster. And I think I can vindicate myself a little bit with that, with this game, but there, but you know, I'm never going to agree completely with any coaching staff at all. And I obviously only know what I know now. I mean, I might come to agree with a decision later, but one quibble here and there is not something to uh scoff at um no of course not. I, I i couldn't be happier for the for the future of this team really i mean it, it's it's the most hopeful i felt for the the long haul um 
in a while because, quite frankly, this is one of the worst rosters that we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. And that, that, that is nothing to say about Joe Shane and about his abilities at GM. We all know why this roster had to take a couple steps back before it can start moving forward. And, you know, I'm I'm very optimistic from the coaching standpoint about the future of this team. Now, let, let's see what happens with the next draft or two and, you know, get talent on this team because this coaching staff paired with talent, we could finally, you know, be, get out of that rut of just irrelevant football and just fluky playoff appearance and really develop something here. Yeah, and, and specifically fluky playoff appearances. I mean, there was no more confident part of my life than that 2008 season where they were just steamrolling opponents. I would like to get back to that. I would like to go to games expecting to be, if we lose, it's going to be by three because we're going to score points. We're going to assert dominance. Like You know what I mean? Like I want to feel confident going into games well, again. Let me ask you, we're not going to talk about um... – Baltimore until the Thursday, you know, Thursday night show, which you'll hear on Friday. But right now, you know, walking, thinking about the game on Sunday, the way this team is, you know, we're four and one. Are you walking into that stadium Sunday, you know, with the mindset where you're expecting this team to win every week, like we're a four and one team, or are you still, well, let's, I'm still waiting, wait and see attitude. Um, I am in my head, wait and see attitude, but there's no way to come off of last week without an extra bounce in your step. Right? I mean, that's an infectious feeling of hope. But, but I mean, in my head, I still know, I still know what can absolutely happen out there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it is not far fetched to, to think that you can go out there and just absolutely get hammered and have a 40 to 10 game. You know, that's, that's totally within the possibility. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of that too, again, I think it's this league. I mean, there are very, very few teams in this league that is are is consistent on a week in week out basis to play well and to expect to win. It's just, you know, this team, you know, they're, they're, at some point, you know, this team is not going to go. Of course, you can clip this now. We can play this back in January. We're in the playoffs. This team is still, I don't think, is going to be, you know, eleven and six for any. You know, who knows? Maybe they will be, but it's still. They are putting things in place to get to that point, which is all we want. We, why do we win this game? We won this game because we're playing fundamentally well. You know, the turnovers are at a minimum, the missed tackles are at a minimum. Uh, you know, wide receivers are blocking and, and, and people are mistakes executed. are at a minimum, exactly. Very few it's, penalties, exactly. That's huge, and you know. So many of these giant teams we've seen for the last decade, it's just we don't look – we've said that before. team didn't look prepared this week. They were not ready to play. They were not – this game plan was not ready to beat this other team, and we're seeing those things. And that makes up a lot for the talent gap that's in this league. If you do your job, you know, minimize mistakes, minimize penalties, minimize you know, missing a block, minimize running the wrong route – all these little things and we're doing those little things. All right. Uh, before we start sucking off the coaching staff too much, you got any other stars to hand out? Hit me with another one. I mean, you got to give it to Daniel Jones, right? I mean, I, I certainly gave him one. I'll let you have the floor. Though. Yeah. I mean, we were, 
you know, all week it was like, is Daniel Jones going to play? We we had the, we had our comments last week. Is it just a a smokescreen that they are showing in media availability than him running around in practice and watching him? Now we don't need him to run sixty yards and be Lamar Jackson, but watching him run, I completely forgot about the injury, and this is the first time in his career. Not only is he playing with confidence, but I feel like the coaching staff has confidence in him to play his game, to let him make decisions, do the right reads. And, you know, things are simplified enough that he's, you know, throwing the ball quickly and going to his first read. Or he's running, you know, pretty quickly if, if it's he sees something. And that playing with that confidence changes everything. You're not timid. When you're timid, you make mistakes, and he's not making mistakes because he's playing with that confidence. And you know, we don't win that game. You know, Saquon Barkley's great; we all know he's great, but we need Daniel Jones to you know, quarterback this team, you know, literally quarterback this team, and he is doing that. So for him, with the with the injuries, you know, with everything on his back on this team, to play as well as he did against a playoff team, a legitimate playoff team. He, he definitely gets a star in my book. You know, you said a while back that you thought that the coaching staff had him on training wheels. Do you still mm-hmm. feel that way, or do you feel like maybe he was on that and they've taken them off? I'm just curious on your thoughts. I think they've taken him off. I, I think <laughs> – I don't know if this analogy is going to work, but I think before maybe he was on – and maybe prior coaching staffs had him on training wheels for a much bigger bicycle than he's on now. I think they gave him a smaller BMX and took the training wheels off and said, go ride, son. And I think that's what he's doing right now. Okay. I, I, I follow what you're saying there. Yeah. I yeah. get you. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I gave Daniel Jones a star. 21 of 27 for 217 yards. The, one of those was uh, a, a, an absolute dart to Darius Slayton. He just didn't get his head around. So, I mean, really, and again, clearly a completely different game plan from last week. No, there was no none of that like mm-hmm. constant rollout shit to get out of the pocket. He stood in the fucking pocket. He stood in the pocket. He looked calm. He looked collected. He ran the ball well and smartly. Uh, he made smart decisions throwing the ball. He didn't turn the ball over at any point, mm-hmm. though he did get stripped at the beginning. He landed on it. Uh, and also in like the first two drives of the game, the offensive line was just completely destroyed. Um that, that that didn't continue throughout the game. He threw the ball incredibly sharply. He was direct. He was laser pinpoint accurate. And he played a bum ankle with and with a busted yeah. hand and his throwing hand. He's an easy guy to like. How could you, you think not, How could you not reward that performance? That's all. Sure. Do you ever think there's going to be a point in Daniel Jones' career where we just watch a game and it's just, you know, we do our review of the game. It's like, well, Daniel Jones, he was pretty good today, blah, 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 without everybody trying to make these – overarching conclusions about him like okay well you know he's a franchise quarterback he's not a franchise quarterback do we keep him do we not keep him you think you know even beyond this year let's say for some reason we decide to extend him and sign him to a you know three-year contract or something I feel like he's always gonna be a quarterback where you know the fans the media the talking heads are always gonna have you know read into more for each game than he actually is where as opposed to other quarterbacks who you know a Justin Herbert where he just plays and we're not making these things do you feel a, Daniel Jones I, is always going to have I that? don't 
I have no idea. Um, I don't know. I thought that would come about last year after that Saints game when everybody was finally healthy and he, he threw like a madman. He pretty much put the entire team on his back and won. I, mm. I think there could be. I mean, l- let's face it. This team right here this year, they're not going – they are right now winning games without anybody at wide receiver. If Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. starts becoming an active part of this roster this year, if Kadarius Tony gets healthier, if Wandale Robinson gets healthy, these numbers I think are going to go up. I mean, they have to. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, and Saquon Barkley is always going to be the story because he's the, the, the easy face – you know, he's the comeback player also. Um, he was a huge and star the best in college. Player on the, he's the best talent and best player on the offense by right, far. Right, right. But at, at a certain point, there's going to be a, a moment where Daniel Jones has like a, you know, a bad game. And some, some at some point, we're just going to He just have to has forget. a bad game. Yeah, right. I mean, it, he hasn't had like a big turnover game in like three years. That narrative is... I mean, I don't really hear it much anymore, thankfully, but it did come like two years too late. Because when you lose, nobody cares and nobody pays attention. If this team continues to win and down the line you start seeing those wide receivers pick up numbers as they get healthier, this offense continues to you know put up points, yeah, I think, I think uh, it has to happen. It doesn't necessarily go that path. I mean, we, ne- we never see those wide receivers get healthy. This team might start losing. We don't know what injuries are going to happen. You know, knock on wood all over the place. But, um, yeah, I think it could happen. I, I, I hope so because, to me, it's very exhausting. And I just um, – you know, after the game, we, we were you know, we were flying back yesterday. I was, you know, scrolling through Twitter, and there's a lot of, you know – Maybe Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback. Maybe it's this. It's just like I can't do it every no, single. Giants week. fans are gonna. Giants fans are gonna have something to argue about on a week to week basis. No, this is th- at all these times. Are, these are media guys. These aren't. These oh, aren't the oh. fans. The fans are always gonna do that. But just like I just want to know, at some point, are we gonna stop? Is he ever gonna be a quarterback where we're gonna stop making you know on a week by week basis? Is he the franchise quarterback? He's not the franchise quarterback. Do you NFL think NFL not? media or New York market media? Uh, I think a combination of both. New York market media will never stop. Any player that has a dip will get the bad publicity, and two blips in a row is just you know fuel to the fire. They won't let it go until there's a new thing to complain about. Yeah. If Daniel well, Jones has has one turnover next week, it's going to be you know Danny Nichols. You know, and well, all that. Kind yeah, of that shit. I, I mean, the New York market is just they're they're in that yeah, way. They're that just totally in a constant complaint fit. Yeah, that's I'm totally gonna get it. I'm talking the national ones. One. They should forget it. Yeah, I, I'm talking about this one specific thing of like this. Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he not? That that storyline to me is so tiring and so, and to do it weekly based on each performance just driving me insane. And I just I wonder at some point, is he just gonna be the quarterback? And right, if he has a bad game, you played poorly this week. End of story. I don't know. I hope not. I gave Darius Slayton a star. Um, it's it's kind of a. I was gonna give him just a regular honorable mention for this game, but when I thought about it, you know, he had the one play where he didn't get his head around quick, but he still won on the route. And uh, I don't usually hold one mistake, especially a small one like that from someone getting a star. So then I looked at uh, 
that was he had seven targets. Um, he caught the other six. I don't know what else the dude had to do to earn a star, but he there was one drive where him and Barkley they were literally the entire offense. They moved yeah. us all the way down the field, and then Daniel Bellinger scored the touchdown. He's uh, a a situational star because in this situation, he didn't have to be a superstar. He just needed to, you know, when we're desperately looking for anybody to catch the ball, the fact that he was, you know, what was he said seven to seven in targets or six to seven in targets? Six to seven. When you're six to seven of targets, you know, they don't have to be pretty. They don't have to be for gaudy numbers. It's just getting the job done. And to me, that's that's worthy of a star for sure, especially for a guy I have been down on for years. And again, at the time, it was like, I, I don't need a, uh, my number three or number four receiver who can't catch. Right now, he's the number one receiver. And well, that's what I was going to say. He, he was yeah. six of seven. I'm, you know, you may have been down on him for years, but just put yourself in the shoes of the Packers. What was standing opposite? I mean, at some point, you have to put Jair Alexander on somebody. You have a good corner. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to put it on? Marcus Johnson, David Sills, Richie James, the slot guy? I mean, no. there he was clearly the number one threat on the team, and he still was six of seven and was picking up big chunks of yards. So it's, yeah. you know. Well, my beef with him always was it's just the inconsistency. Just right. The, you know, of course. The Evan- the Evan Ingram syndrome of, at the biggest moment, making your biggest mistakes. You know, we know the abilities in there. It's just, can you ever be consistent? And now maybe he's been in the league a couple of years. He's survived by the, the the skin of his teeth to stay on this roster. Maybe, you know, uh, a maturing physically and mentally has, maybe he's past that now. I hope so, because, you know something? As... The guys we have on this roster who are injured are coming back, and as we upgrade talent going forward, there is a place for him on this team. And it's like, again, if he's our third or fourth receiver and he's consistent, he could be a nice weapon to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this game is any... I think this game is actually more credit to his inconsistency than his consistency. But yeah. nevertheless, this was a game he absolutely needed to step up and being 6-7, to seven, you know, he, it, it was exactly what needed to happen. Um, it wasn't all pretty. Uh, I'm giving a fart to every everyone on the interior of the offensive line. I think they all had pretty tough games. Feliciano was getting kind of thrown backwards. Um, ben Bredesen continues to keep getting penalties and he just not be very good. They, they are what they are. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's nice. It's nice to sit here and say that like these guys didn't play well. And like for starters, it was a struggle for me to even pick any farts for this game. Um. And also, these these guys, it didn't like blow up the game at all. Mm-mm. I mean, in the very beginning, it was it was a mess, but they kind of adjusted, and they also had a pretty tough task in the middle against the Packers defense. So, um, you know, it's just nice that uh, to, to hand out farts. It's not like so glaringly obvious. It was like, well, you know, he gave up seventeen QB pressures, so we have to give him a fart. It's like, I mean, these, are, these are normal bad games for players, you know? Yeah, we're past the quarter point, and we kind of know – we're really starting to figure out this team. We are what we are, and we just know that those three guys in the middle just are not very good. And it's kind of a – you know, we're assigning just kind of like you – this is what you are fart as opposed to an individual game fart for these guys. And it's one of the major things that have to be addressed in the offseason. Um, I don't have anything else in the offense. You want to talk about Barkley for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, if this guy isn't comeback player of the year, I don't know who is. I mean, he's 
again, like I, I mentioned before at the passing game, if he isn't doing what he's doing, I don't think this passing game can do what it's doing right now. I mean, um, just so, so on only 13 carries, he gained 70 yards. He had a long of 40 in that mix as well, but also a touchdown and the other 36 yards as he did have over a hundred yards from scrimmage came on receptions as well. So he did have a insane game. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a consistently good game. It's not one of those, you know, three yards, two yards, one yard, 90 yards, four yards, three yards. He's, he legitimately scares the shit out of you every time he touches the ball. And, you know, how do you, how do you think he stacks up this year? Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, but, no. Um, because the way you said that just kind of sparked something in me, the way, you know, he, he legitimately scares the shit of you every time he touches the ball. Do you remember the last time you felt that way about, I guess the last time you feel that way about a player is probably Beckham, right? On this team. Um, oh yeah, sure. But the thing, but a thing with a wide receiver is how many times is he, you know, going to touch the ball? I mean, to no, me, I'm that's, th- that's fair. Uh, but I'm what I was, deep. my real question was going to be, what was the last running back you felt that way? Is it oh, Barber? Tiki Barber. Tiki okay. Barber. When he had that run where he was getting those 200 yard games, it was like, you know, every run could be the big one, but still the guy's getting five, six, seven yards every time he touches it. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would easily say going back to him. Yeah, that's uh that's some pretty high praise so yeah th- th- those were those were those were the days <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> um for an individual running anyway i mean i i liked those uh those running back by committee groups under coughlin with uh jacobs and bradshaw those are those, are Th- those, those were are, a lot of fun they're, yeah but they're just, totally different this is a those are great units that you could yeah you know, that was like a, a collective bulldozer moving Barber and Barkley, they're kind of a little bit more like a lightning strike kind of thing. Right, and that's what scares us. The thing that scares you the most is at any moment you're down seven points, and that's what that's what Barkley gives you. Um, or at least at any given moment, he's completely flipped the field. And in a game, you know, where the Giants are not going to be playing in shootouts, you know, we're, we're, we're encouraged by their scoring more points, but I don't think there's going to be many... 45 41 games out of this team this year um something as simple as just flipping the field for field position uh, can mean a lot in a half and anytime he touches the ball that is very possible so it's just a real joy to watching him and you know i know we said this kind of tongue-in-cheek in in the offseason well what if Barkley has this amazing season, ungodly? What do we do with the trade deadline? Or right. you know, does, does Daniel Jones all of a sudden playing well? Does it change your opinions? And now we're gonna have to actually have those. We're gonna have to have that conversation. You know, I don't want to do it today, but it's definitely something that we've already. Yeah, we're we'll we'll be having those talks. We'll be having. We've heard, we've discussed when and and how. Yeah. Um, is it time to flip to the defense? It is time to flip to the defense. Um, all right, so. Hot damn. Um, if I had told you that they would shut the Packers' offense down to only 20 points, um, would you have really thought that possible? I mean, did you really think that this group would stop Aaron Rodgers at that? No. You really thought they would they would move the ball a lot better in this game, I right? thought they were going to beat the shit out of us. I don't remember what my prediction was, but it wasn't pretty. I know that. Um, um it, Holy crap. I mean, I, I, I'm going to award a star right away to Dexter Lawrence. Uh, this is the second week in a row. I, 
Now, I alluded this with our with our conversation with Wink Martindale and the coaching staff, but um, he was a monster in the run defense again and without Leonard Williams. This was a time that he needed to step up again. This is another really good running team. They have two very good running backs. Aaron Rodgers himself is an incredible runner in the pocket, behind the line of scrimmage, downfield. He's good at manipulating guys with pump fakes. Um, and uh, he was a force in the run game. The Packers completely struggled to run to the to the way that they liked. And like I said, they panicked when the score yeah. flipped. And they, they gave up trying to run the ball. They gave up what they're good at because we were not letting them be good at it. Um, I mean, that is the definition of dominating. I mean, you, sure. you change the other team's approach to how they want to play the game. And they did it without one of their better run defenders, thanks to Dexter Lawrence stepping up. In addition to that, he also contributed to that second-half shutout. He had a huge sack on third down that pushed them out of field goal range in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, four solo tackles. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a guy, and he got his own individual shout-out on Pat McAfee's show today. I saw Talking Giants clip it because I don't usually watch Pat McAfee's show, but um, <laughs> where Aaron Rodgers specifically was like, yeah, according to my interior lineman, like that dude, number 97, was was the problem. They, he was the issue. Um, so we're going to have to have, you know, discuss- so he's not even playing in a contract year. We usually have this issue with defensive tackles where we draft them in the second round or something like that, and uh, they play they, – they slowly get better year to year, and then the contract year they play so well we can't afford them. We're a year ahead now because we use that fifth-year option on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they have some wiggle room next year to to keep him long term. They don't have to let this one walk out of their price range. I think if he if he continues having the year that he's having this year and he starts into it next year in his fifth year option, I think there's a legitimate chance that the Giants offer him a multi-year extension to keep him here and keep some some draft picks in house, keep building on these young guys. Sorry, Especially, I talked for a lot. Go ahead. No, that's absolutely right and I just to add on to that I think there's even more of a chance of it happening because we don't know how long Leonard Williams is going to be on this team, at least with this current contract. You know, you know, it might be something where, you know, they have enough confidence in Dexter Lawrence being the anchor of this defensive line where they can make Leonard Williams a little expendable or at least come back to him and say, we need to renegotiate this. Um, you know, I don't know. In, in three years, I can definitely see like which of those two guys will be on this team. I would put my chips right now on Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, probably. And, and and there's no telling, you know, I I don't know. It may, it just, it makes a lot of other decisions easier. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, and it it allows, um, I don't know. I I think it just works out for the best when you're able to identify these things ahead of time and, uh, you know, get your contracts sorted out before, players have more leverage on the open market and stuff and like sure. that. Sure, and you want to lock them up now, you know, we all know the cap is going to go up in the next couple of years, so it might seem like expensive now, but it might turn out to be a bargain. You know, there's going to be, you know, they have to renegotiate with the TV deals. You know, the, the, the Sunday ticket thing is going to bring in a ton of money to the league. It's going to all raise the cap. You know, we're, we're getting out of you know, the COVID years for the formula going forward. There's going to be a lot more money for all these teams. And I think if you can lock up these guys now, you know, before when there's more cap players going to want more money too. So it may be a wise investment now to, to, to lock him up now. I certainly think so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, you know, I thought it was kind of uh, impressive the way that Wink was able to get the most out of what he was putting on the field. You know, even guys like Jalen Smith were having great games. Um, uh, he, you know, he probably deserves a star. I'm going to be totally honest. This isn't my most. Uh, I usually watch the game multiple times before uh, doing. Forgive these, us, but... we had to go half around the world. So <laughs> yeah, no, not only that, our, our travel day back was extended longer than it should have. So Woo! I wasn't even, I wasn't really even able to do a whole bunch of that. My whole sleep schedule is jacked. But um, individually, it was hard not to notice Kayvon. I mean, both mm-hmm. live and when I did rewatch it, um, he was wrecking shit all game. Um, yeah. To the point, all the way to the point where this is kind of ridiculous. He caused a false start on the last play of the game, the the hail mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that is the one play. How? I mean, he. We were in probably the only time Wink Martindale is going to have like an umbrella defense where he's definitely only rushing <laughs> three or four guys, right. and so you have a numbers advantage with the offensive line, and he still drew an, a false start on the play. Um, and he was a constant disruption in the backfield, key part of the run defense. Uh, he, he was batting down the balls at that, that goal line stand there. Um, one of the balls, I think, hit him directly in the face. Um, you know, he looked like a vet out there. This is only like – and I'm not, I'm not saying that like – I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, he literally – if you were to just – if I had never seen this roster before, didn't know anything about this team – and you asked me what I thought of him, I would say that he was probably in his third or fourth year in the league, clearly a young guy with a lot of talent. You know, he looked comfortable. He wasn't making mistakes. He looked dominant. He was wrecking stuff. And I know that the Packers have a banged-up left tackle, and so they're kind of moving him in and out with another guy, and then the right tackle shouldn't really be a tackle. That's kind of not really relevant to my point. Yeah. Um, He had a huge game. He's playing with a sprained MCL. It's basically like his third NFL game, and he played dominant. I mean, how? And he also missed. He missed most of training camp, uh, uh, the preseason, also with the injury too. So his his game reps are limited still. I know. I this goes back to college. I always love guys with single digits who are pass rushers. They just look leaner, and they look like you know just machines and Thibodeau just reminds me of you know uh, guys that Florida had in the past these guys like you know Dexter Fowler or something who just looks so lean and just going after you I mean I what I'm trying to do right now you know even in this 2022 season is watch a guy like him and just extrapolate out to what is this guy gonna look like in two years and to me I see a wrecking ball coming you know, once this guy gets a little bigger, a little stronger, more experience, you know, more experience on the field, more experience in the film room, he's going to be he's going to be as advertised. And I don't care about his individual numbers. If he only has two sacks this year as opposed to four, he's doing the things already to disrupt. Like you started this little piece and he's just going to get better and better. And the more attention that he offenses have to give to him is going to free up other guys to do their damage. It's going to make Aziz Olari, you know, make him better on the other side. It's going to, you know, open up all these different things. So I am really, really excited uh, not only for what he's doing now, but what this is going to become as we go along with this team. Starting to look like a team. Yeah. Like, like we're, we're sitting here and talking about players playing, 
at a high level, worthy of stars at all different position groups, you know, guys standing out. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's not an overly talented roster. So uh, it speaks to the coaching staff, but yeah. also the coaching staff is getting the untalented guys to play well enough so that the stars can shine. If that makes sense. Because it, makes- it felt like uh, most of these guys, like Saquon Barkley's been here for years, but he's been dulled by uh, an inability to get the most out of what was on the roster at offensive line, at quarterback, at wide receiver. I feel like that's probably the most articulate thing I've said this whole episode. And it just came out of my mouth like it's, that. It is 100% spot on. And that's what should be clipped on Twitter this week from the show. <laughs> really? No, because you're self. right. I mean you will win games when your best players play at their best. I mean, look at the baseball playoffs this week. Why are the Mets watching the playoffs on TV? Because their best players, their pitchers sucked. Why am I Rays watching the playoffs the rest of the year? Because their three best hitters sucked. You win when your best talent does the best. And a lot of that is their own ability and making things happen, but they have to be put in that position to succeed. And we finally have, I believe, an organization that's doing so. The coaches to put them in a position in the individual game, a front office that will surround them with the right pieces around them to maximize those stars. So we're still early in this process. And we'll check back in two years when, you know, hopefully, you know, this core of this coaching staff is still here and they're still developing. But I, I feel like we are set up for long-term success. And I'm very excited. At the same time, I have finally I'm really excited about, you know, this week, the next week and the rest of the season, too. It's not like a, you know, imagine in the future. This will be like we're getting tastes of it now. That's the best thing that could happen to this fan base and to that that team as well is tasting a little success to make you work harder to make the future come faster. Yeah, absolutely. That last bit there is is crucial because it's it's not just giving us hope. It's giving us glimpses. Um, Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, they're not fluky. These are, these are real, real wins. Let's go around the league. Um, yes, we're, we're not surprised that Washington shit the bed when they had the lead for most of the game against Tennessee. Tennessee came ahead and won. Uh, do we think that Tennessee is bad or that maybe the team is just kind of falling apart or, or is this just a, a huge mistake in trading AJ Brown away? I think it was a huge mistake. I think they're just a very... I think they're they're missing something on offense now they had. Yeah, they, I mean, they had a nice balance of things. I think now that he's gone, that balance is gone. And now you're really you're relying on a, on a running back that might be past his prime a little bit, and that goes downhill pretty quickly. I'd say they're a slightly below average team at this point. Um, the Eagles won again. Uh, who the hell did they play? They beat the Cardinals twenty to seventeen. I didn't watch that game. Did you see any of that? Uh, we got back to the hotel and we put Red Zone on and just was catching some highlights and stuff. Uh, they're <laughs> like just curious said- because the game was close. You know, they only won by three. You know, the Eagles have been kind of beating the shit out of everybody. So just curious on how close that game was. Uh, I just saw some highlights. Uh, to be very honest, and. Uh, Hey, you know something? The great teams are not going to blow everybody out every week. They're going to find ways to win. And True, yeah. yeah. Um, how about Dallas beating the Rams? Now, what do you think? 
Now, I, I guess it's not surprising to think the Rams might not go to the Super Bowl at all, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that that'd probably be the case. <laughs> <laughs> but but Dallas winning consistently now against good teams, which I still think the Rams are a good team regardless of what I just said. With um, a backup quarterback. With, with Cooper Rush. Uh, is Kellen Moore gone? Is Kellen Moore the new Panthers coach next year? Hmm. He's going to be the head coach somewhere. You know, I, I allude to early in our, the episode about, you know, be careful with our coaching staff being too good now because they'll get poached. I mean, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I don't think Mike Kafka is going anywhere anytime soon, but. Well, I mean, like, you know, in, you know, maybe 2024 or something, but. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I would say this has to be the number one target for, for, uh, for teams heading into next year. I mean, just you, you talk about taking water from a rock. I mean, you have a backup quarterback and. They haven't missed a beat one bit. I mean, that also means that somebody might pull a Scott Mitchell and sign him to overpay for him, and he's just— They probably will, but, you know, I just wonder, you know, I still think— Do, do you do you agree with me that Mike McCarthy is a goofus? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I'm I, attributing a lot of this to Kellen Moore, and maybe I shouldn't be, but, you know— I, Part of it is that Mike McCarthy did that whole like apology. Th- he he made that whole thing about how he took that time, that year off from football to adjust what he's done, and what and that was a lie. He just he made that shit up. He is wait, wait, still wait. the same guy he always. What are was. coaches gonna say? I mean, they, they, you want to do your image rehabilitation tour. You are trying to get a job. You're gonna say. What I mean, you I get it, but those were legitimate hear. criticisms about him. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't care. I, what those I, guys I, I, I'm. I, yeah. I'm giving a lot of credit to Kellen Moore. Uh, this is a league that clearly has a fascination with young minds, creative minds. It's starting to have a fascination with guys that were quarterbacks that maybe didn't have the talent, but definitely had the brains to hang around in the league. I mean, all of these things fit this thing, and he's coming out of the Packers system. He's coming out of a system where he's worked with. Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, the results speak for themselves. Is Dak Prescott even that good for that matter? Uh, I mean, he's certainly not Patrick Mahomes, and Mike mm-hmm. Kafka got to work with that. So, well, Dak Prescott certainly is not as good as the contract he was given says he is. That's for sure. Well, yes, but we I mean, all agree. I, all it's just agree my. My, my point is is that there's this fascination around these types of coaches. We're certainly one of them. We grabbed Brian Dable. We know a lot of people credit him with turning around Josh Allen. Um, but or, or, or maybe, you know, he had the benefit of Josh Allen to help pad his stats. Didn't seem to matter to us. Uh, Mike Kafka had the benefit of having Patrick Mahomes to work with. I mean, that's, that's a huge benefit. We still hired him anyway. I mean, Kellen Moore had Dak Prescott's not even close to Patrick Mahomes. Um, and and now Cooper Rush and is continuing to win. I think he's gone. I think he's oh, gone. I, and the Panthers oh. have the first shot at him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Also because hilarious. Again, the calls for Matt Rule's job started right after the Giants beat them. Thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Maybe it's not so embarrassing to lose to the Giants. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt Rule. I tell you one thing, if I'm Albert, I would be calling him up tomorrow. I mean, not all coaches who are very successful in college are great in the NFL. And, you know, maybe he's just a great college coach. I mean, look at Nick Saban. Sure. Look at Steve Spurrier. Look at a lot of these guys. It's just look at Urban Meyer. 
I mean, they're not NFL coaches, but they're great college coaches. So uh, Matt Rule, and also, I, it's kind of a little unfair to Matt Rule, too. I mean, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but look at the quarterbacks he has to deal with. Yeah, I mean, Matt Rule was hired in the same cycle as Joe Judge, and what right. happened to Joe Judge was also kind of not fair. So, right, right, and also, you know, his owner said in the off season, this is probably a, you know, like I think it said a four to five year rebuild, and he gets smoked early into year three. It's so. just, it's just, I think people don't know what. F- four to five years looks like or they just expect progress along the way you know but yeah you know progress like that doesn't really work unless your quarterback situation is somewhat sorted out i mean you can't be for it's, four years dicking around at quarterback and expect to everything. see progress it's everything i mean it's quarterback and coach that is you don't have both of those you're probably you're never going to be anything in this league and i mean just look at the super bowl every year you don't see scrubs Unless there's a, a, a mitigating circumstance like an all-time defense with them or, or something crazy, it's just, you have to have great quarterback play. That is kind of all I had for around the league. Um, we will be back on Friday morning as usually scheduled, and we should be on a regular schedule until the Thanksgiving game screws everything up for us again. <laughs> um it's not like there's any playoff games we'll be going to in the next couple of weeks, so we'll be here. <laughs> it sucks, but it's the um, truth. that's right. But in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan show again on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all over the place, and of course on Twitter at Just Giants Pod. Um, we will see you all Friday morning. Go Giants! Go Giants. <laughs>